Hello and welcome to Deluded, Melbourne Demons podcast. Neats, we threatened to do something unbelievably Melbourne and lose to a North Melbourne squad, which I think has 27 total players that are fit. And has not won a game this season and might as well be a VFL team. Yes, we did. It was quite funny, actually. I mean... I did say to someone before the game, I think it was you actually, that this would be <laughs> the most, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It really would be the most Melbourne of all losses. Yeah. So in some ways I was kind of predicting the most Melbourne of all losses. Yeah. You weren't um, really predicting the Melbourne of most losses. I just thought if, we all thought if there was about 80 points, 100%, yeah. but if there was going to be a Melbourne loss, this would really be the most Melbourne way yeah. of doing it, you know, like right. to literally, not to Richmond, but to the team that is ranked last, that is yet to win a game this season, right. that looks like it belongs in the VFL. Right. That would be the way to, to really have a first loss of the season. That would be a very fitting first loss of the season for Melbourne. But yeah. but we didn't. But we didn't. You know, look, the first half was not good. It was mm. quite bad, actually. Oh, shut it. I do think, though, one thing I will say, I don't think Melbourne, North Melbourne at least, are as bad as they've looked. I actually think mm. they have started to improve. I mean, the truth is Ben Cunnington is an excellent contested player. Yeah. They do have some good young players. Jaden Goldstein Stevenson. is still a gun. Goldstein is still yeah. a gun. I'd say he, he beat Gorn in the first half. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. And they still have, like, Jaden Stevenson, who is a talented player, yeah. you have to say. Hall, who you know I love. I know you love Hall, despite his lack of defensive efforts. Uh, I don't <laughs> There were some terrible efforts. ones on display. But he's an excellent kick into the forward line. He yeah. really is. And so the point is, is... North, I think, will... I think North will definitely win a game this season. It's not like they are... It's high praise. Yeah. <laughs> North aren't that bad. I yeah. mean, they re- well, at least in that first half, they didn't look that bad. And even, to be fair, against Geelong, they were playing pretty well against Geelong at the Cattery in the first half. It's just that they can't run out games, I think, because their players are so young. Yeah. And that's one of the things to, to keep in mind. So... Look, I'm not. I, it was not a great first half. I'm not going to lie; it was quite bad. Yeah. But um, they did lift and they did improve. And and one of the highlights, I think, for me at least, was the fact that our improvement really it didn't come from our senior players. Mm. It actually came from Jacko, and it, who we obviously love more than anything. Yeah. And it came from Cosy Pickett. Easily his Pickett. best game. Easily his best game. I feel like we've said that a few times, but that was clearly he's his best so game. good. And Cosy, yeah. you know, who's just who's just extraordinary. So that was really pleasing to see. Do you think? Um, let me ask you this: Do you think Cosy is a small forward? Mm. Or do we think he's a midfielder? Because I actually think maybe we're almost like comparing him to the wrong players. Mm. Because we've been talking about Betts, we've been talking about Cyril. I mean, he's playing in the center bounces in his second game. He's playing on the wing. I mean, that goal. Second, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that goal that he he kicked off the wing, several efforts. It was a bit Jeff Farmer-esque. It was just all him. It was unbelievable. It It was unbelievable. And I just think it was extraordinary. They were talking about it in the commentary box, but it's so true. He just did not stop running. Yeah. He just didn't stop at all. It was yeah. extraordinary. So I wonder if at what point we start talking about him, I don't know about necessarily a midfielder, midfielder, but almost some kind of weird utility or something. Because, yeah. Because he's all over the ground. You can put him anywhere. You can you can put him anywhere. And as he keeps developing his tank, I can't think of many players in the competition who are, who are like him. Can you? No, not at all. I yeah. mean, we've just got one of the most special players of all time. Really. Yeah. But, um, You've been talking about one of the greatest of all time, which I think yeah. is... Maybe a few weeks premature, but I'm ready to jump on that pretty soon. I love Cozzy so yeah. much. No, he's amazing. I think I think it was, you know, so that part of the game was very pleasing. The sad part we have to talk about mm. is Adam Tomlinson Oof. going down with a knee injury. It is really sad, especially when a player fi- seems to finally find their role and really, and he was really excelling. I saw a really mm. interesting statistic on, on the couch about how he's only lost one of his one-on-one contests for the entire year. Only one. That's remarkable. It's remarkable. Yeah. 
he was playing so well and a really unsung hero, I think. I think Lever and May will obviously look a bit more glamorous and get the praise, but Tomlinson has done an excellent job and, and it really is just tragic to see him go down. I hate seeing injuries like that. Oh, it's absolutely shattering. And maybe that's part of the reason that we struggled a bit. You know, who knows what, what damage that, that took on the team. So it's very sad. There's this huge question now of what we do. Um, I'm personally very happy with the club's approach of putting Petty back. My problem with the idea of bringing Tom McDonald back is Tom McDonald is not a lockdown defender like Tomlinson. So really, we'd be creating two intercept defenders in our defense, Lever and McDonald. And I don't know if that balance works. I think, you know, obviously Petty has a lot of lot to do, but I think he's shown a decent amount. Keep Tom McDonald Race playing well, you know? Yeah, I'm a little bit still unsure about Petty and mm. um, his long-term future, but mm. that's my view. That's my view, and you can feel free to disagree with me. Right. But, You're um, also unsure about Ben Brown. I am unsure about Ben Brown. Which I think is a bit hard. <laughs> the guy's been out for a year. I mean, he's, he's had a lot of issues. Oh, and, of course, and I appreciate yeah. that. Obviously, he's been through real – I mean, that – I mean, we talk about sporting tragedies and then we talk about like actual tragedies yeah. in life. And this is a real actual tragedy, everything that happened with his family last year and sure. and losing a child and that type of thing. It, it's just horrible, horrible. But I, I just think as a player, I don't know if he – I'm not saying that I don't think he's got a future at Melbourne. I just don't know if he suits the way we're trying to play, mm. which is extraordinarily – sort of agile mobile forward line, which puts applies a lot of pressure. And yeah. the problem I have is that you look at someone like Fritch, who's really excelling in the Melbourne forward line at the moment. Hmm. Tom McDonald is, is doing pretty well in the Melbourne forward line at the moment. And they are agile players. They're not just like running a straight line type players. And so I just don't know if Ben Brown is what we need. Um, we For that reason, Wiedemann to me looks like a player that could be a little bit more suited to what we're trying to do because he's more athletic, he's more agile. And I think he's just got more tricks. And so... Um, Maybe, but it's, it's me, pretty that's... telling that the club didn't bring him in. I mean, they don't seem to have a hell of a lot of faith in him. And it sounds like, is he out of contract this year? He is out of contract this year. Yeah, and there's always talk about Collingwood. I mean, I think this like... Collingwood, it, look, these Collingwood... <laughs> I mean, they could use him. Yeah, of course they could. But this specious reasoning of, well, his grandfather played for Collingwood, so therefore he's going to go to Collingwood. And right. it's like Christian Petraka, oh, well, he you know, barracks for Collingwood as a boy, so therefore he's going to go to Collingwood. Right. Like, I'm sorry, Chris Judd did not come to Melbourne no, despite no, being a Melbourne supporter. Nor did Andrew Gaff, nor, nor, did, Gaff, nor yeah. did Buddy Franklin, nor did Scott Pendlebury. So yeah. I don't know about some of these very sort of specious kind of like no, uh, reasons for which people would apparently join football clubs. I agree. But what's not specious and good use of specious yeah. uh, is the fact that he's just not getting many opportunities. And obviously that could change. But I don't know. The thing I put out the other week, which you scoffed at, is the idea that maybe we're better off with that Wiedemann or Brown, right? Mm. Maybe we're better off just saying Fritsch is this unbelievably dynamic medium forward. We should talk about that game. I mean, mm. he, six goals, just phenomenal. Unbelievable. Tom McDonald is, looks like he's getting back to what he was in, in 2018. But is that sustainable? I mean, I mean, that's my concern is, right. you know, we basically went out and got two forwards because we were concerned about Tom McDonald and... Uh, yeah, and now we've got this sort of like embarrassment of riches in that department. But how do we know that Tom McDonald's going to keep this up all year? I don't know. I agree. But honestly, I'm a little bit more worried about some of our small forwards, right? Mm. Like how do we know that Neil Bullen can keep it up? How mm. do we know that Spargo can keep it up? I mean, Spargo's been very good. Neil Bullen's been very good until this week. Yeah. Um, I think there's a little bit of a weakness there. And Kazi's kind of papering over some cracks in that. Kazi's papering over all the weaknesses. but um, um, So something to think about. But yeah, I mean, I feel like... Give Brown a proper go. I think he deserves that, given mm-hmm. all the runs he has on the board. If by round 10, round 11, he's not delivering, 
then maybe you swap in Wiedemann and give him a few weeks. And if that doesn't work, maybe we need to go back to the, I don't know, smaller approach. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's tricky. But the point is we're seven and up. We are, and that's pretty exciting. We and top seven. of the ladder for the first time since 2005. Very, very exciting times. Amazing. Amazing. Um, Nitz, we need to talk about this week's episode. Yes. Which I think is pretty pretty exciting. Um, we have uh, Fox Sports' Sarah Ollie, who listeners will remember was on the podcast uh, I think last year, right? Or a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, yeah. We love Sarah Ollie. So Sarah and I have known each other since Monash Law School. Mm. And Sarah went on to have this extremely illustrious career in mm. sports media. She was on Fox Footy. Hosting multiple shows. Right? Hosting multiple shows. She's been on Triple M. Mm. She's now Swan's ambassador. So we thought it would be appropriate to get her on for this particular episode. But right. Sarah is, to say the least, just an absolute delight of a person and a real football nerd. So it's great Absolutely. to have her. And she knows the Swans backwards. So I found this episode for me very useful in learning a little bit about some of these swans randos yeah we say, like who is errol golden and chad warner, warner and, and uh, the other ones it was so McLean funny and- mclean and well it's quite funny because I, <laughs> we literally don't know who any of these swans players are like yeah. i couldn't i would not be able to pick any of them out of a lineup i know their names from articles but i could not tell you what they look like yeah. no no they all just look like 16 year olds yeah because they are 16 yeah they're old, all yeah. like children they're like swans yeah. academy children anyway yeah. so it was very helpful to us because we don't know who any of these people are. Right. Um, I won't forget last year when we were losing to the Swans in like round 22. Oh, no, obviously, it wasn't round 22, whatever round it was. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> this McInerney character was carving oh, us up. McInerney who destroyed is, us. He destroyed us. Who is McInerney? Yeah. You know, who is McInerney? He's a good player. Yeah. He, well, Nick Cooper suggests he's actually a journeyman. Oh. I would have known, like, he's a journeyman in the making. Melbourne's made a lot of journeyman. Uh, stars. That's true. People yeah. Kent Kingsley against Melbourne. We've yeah. had plenty of these players over the years, but yeah. Tim memory. But anyway, <laughs> so it's 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 a real pleasure to have Sarah on the podcast. And so we think you will enjoy this episode. Yeah. So we'll be back next week. But uh, please join the Facebook group, uh, Deluded, the Melbourne Demons fan community. Until then, go Dees. Go Dees. Sarah Ollie, welcome to the Deluded podcast. Hello, Nita and Kieran. It's so nice to see both of your friendly, smiley Faces again. <laughs> we should say welcome back to the Deluded podcast. We should say welcome Sarah back. has been an early adopter of the Deluded podcast. I she know. was there. When no know. one had faith in us, when no one believed in us, you were there, Sarah. We remember <laughs> it. Well, no, Nita and I go a long way back, back to um, Monash uni days, don't we, Nita? We do, yes. I remember <laughs> when I thought I was super cool because, you know, I got a ticket to the LSS, the Monash Law Student Society booze cruise. <laughs> not sure if you remember that, but I remember getting a ticket and then telling everyone, oh, I'm going on the booze cruise, guys. Watch <laughs> out. Yeah. I was a real cool cat at uni, wasn't I? <laughs> <laughs> but Sarah has graduated to bigger and better things, obviously mm. being at Fox Footy and then being now at Fox Sports and being at Triple M and then being an ambassador for the Swans. So Hosting TV shows, yeah, doing it all, really. Yeah, exactly. So, so Sarah has done a lot more than we have with our lives. So congratulations, Sarah. Well, thank you. And I'm not sure if that's entirely true, though, because I saw you interviewing someone pretty important the other day, Nita, like an oh. ex-president or prime minister or something. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I did. I interviewed the ex-Mexican um, president mm. about his involvement in the drug war between Mexico and the US. Right. The questions um, were a little bit, like, tricky. He was kind of like Luke Beveridge at the press conference the other day, just, like, <laughs> extremely, extremely uh, reticent to answer properly and kind of yeah. blaming the journalist. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a bit of cross-promotion for the Lost in Mexico podcast, which you should all check out. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> 
But Sarah, let, let's let's get to the D's first before we talk about this week's game against the Swans. So what everyone's buzzing about is Christian Petrarca signing a seven-year deal worth close to a million dollars a season. Um, and I'm personally very happy about that decision. But as Nita rightly points out, there's been a lot of long-term deals that have been a little bit dicey, like Grundy, Canelio, Josh Kelly, maybe. Interested in your take on Melbourne's decision to go with such a, a big, meaty seven-year contract. I mean, when you talk about those three names that you just said before, <laughs> Petrarca, you're going, ooh, maybe not so good. But I think maybe Christian Petrarca's in a bit of a different mould. He's 25 and coming to the peak of his powers, and I feel like he is going to be a player that in the top three best and fairest of the Ds, at least for the next five years. I mean, with a seven-year contract, there's always going to be ebbs and flows, isn't there, in seven years. There are going to be times where Christian Petrarca is having perhaps like a little down period, but that's the risk you take with a player that on the open market is probably going to command even more money than that. I don't mind it. I mean, lock him away. He's, we've locked away two of his best friends in Salem and um, Clay, Clayton Oliver, so lock him away. I mean, Grundy is a different player again because Ruckman, I'm not sure about ever giving Ruckman that long of a leash, but I think with a midfielder who's only 25 and who has this quality to go forward and win matches like a Dustin Martin, I think why not lock him away? You guys must love that he's going to be a demon for life. I do. I, I must say I do. I just... I worry just because, you know, if we take ourselves back a couple of years to the year that Stephen Canelio signed his mammoth deal, he looked like he could be one of the best players in the competition at that point. And even Ooh. when Josh Kelly signed his whopper of a deal, he looked like he could come second in the Brownlow that year only to really Dustin Martin. And so I just worry sometimes because Track has only... Track had an amazing season last year. He had a pretty good season in 2019 when everybody else was struggling. But I just worry that is that enough sort of evidence upon which to give him such a long deal? Like, I don't know, and you're a Swan supporter, Sarah, so you'll have thoughts on this. But when Buddy got a sort of nine-year deal or whatever he got, he had already proven himself to be literally one of a once-in-a-generation player and one of the greatest players probably of all time. And, you know, obviously Buddy's not going to play, you know, that many games each season anymore. Um, but at the same time, he at the time in which he signed that deal, he really was proving to be that much better than so many other players in the competition off the back of so many years of good work. So I guess that's what I worry about a little bit and why I'm slightly sympathetic to Kane Corns' view on this. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting you're putting yourself in the same basket as Kane Corns, but I don't mind. I, mean, I, I I think the Buddy deal has already paid off. I mean, there are sceptics that will say, well, you know, he didn't get a flag with the Swans, therefore it's a fail. But I think that's a bit um, narrow-minded, a bit parochial. I think you've got to look at the bigger picture of what Buddy's done for the Swans and, you know, people go to watch Buddy at the football. And in Sydney, that, that's actually a really big thing because it's still the second sport, second to NRL. But, I mean, when you talk about the likes of Cornelio and Kelly, I'm not sure if you're comparing apples and apples. Like, you have to look at the temperament of a player and also the window that that team's in. Now, you would have thought that the Giants were in that premiership window with Cornelio and Kelly. Cornelio, I think, is suffering a little bit with the expectations that come with the captaincy. I'm not sure if you guys watched that AFL documentary and it oh, we showed did. 
Yeah. Oh God, wasn't that revealing for GWS? So cringy. I mean, we we could spend hours talking about that, but I think the captaincy's weighed really heavily on his shoulder, and he's also coming off that knee injury from last year. And I just don't think that he is the player that he necessarily was. Whereas Josh Kelly, there's all this talk now about whether he's going to trigger that contract extension or go elsewhere. Well, I'm not sure if he thinks he's being played in the right position, whereas Christian Petrarca is definitely being played in the right position. He's happy. I know that can change. You know, everyone's happy when we're winning. But I think as well, I mean... I don't want to jinx it, but it looks like the Demons now are on a really good path for the next three to four years. I know we could have said that in 2018 as well, but I think that was different. You guys have learned from that. You've had your down period and you'll be going back again. So maybe towards the end of that seven-year deal we'll be going, oh, was it worth it? Is it worth it? But, you know, if you guys get a flag in between now and then or maybe multiple, I'm sure no one will be questioning the value of a seven-year deal. I agree with that. And I also think that it's just a risk you have to take, right? Like, what are you going to yeah. do? I mean, not give him seven years and watch him go to another club and, and dominate. Like, I mean, we love track and he is basically the centrepiece. And in a lot of ways, him and probably now Cozzy have become a little bit of what Buddy is to Sydney insofar as he gets people to the games, he brings excitement, he can do the things that other people can't do. And so you kind of need those players to be the marketing sort of, you know, the marketing materials really. And so insofar as that is, I'm, I'm super happy with the deal. I just wire, I just wonder if I suppose there was a lot of evidence to back up the deal, at least from a footballing perspective before he did it. But anyway, um, so second question for you, Sarah. Oh, do you mind? Cool. Second question for you, Sarah. So Luke Jackson won another Rising Star, star another Rising Star nomination this weekend, last weekend, and he played excellently. And it probably is the first game he kind of outperformed Max Gorn. And Gorn has often joked about the fact that there is, you know, that Jacko is one day going to take his spot in the team. But do you think that this transition between Jackson and Gorn could happen sooner than we think it could? I mean, we were all thinking last year when Jacko debuted that maybe this will take, like, he'll take five or six years to develop. But he's developing rapidly and much, much quicker than any of us expected. Well, I'd take it even further back to when Luke Jackson was drafted. I think, was he pick three? Yeah. It was an early pick, wasn't he? And I remember the commentary around it was, why would they draft this Ruckman when you've got Max Scorn, who's the best Ruckman in the competition? But, God, it's looking like a pretty sage pick at three. So he's from a basketball background, so he was always going to maybe take a little while to develop. But as you say, he has developed so quickly. And I think... He's a really central piece to why the Demons are doing so well this year because Max Gorn has such trust in him. So Max doesn't need to be the number one ruckman the whole time. And when Max uh, isn't in the ruck, Luke Jacks can, can play that role and Max can push forward. And we've seen now why Max is being spoken about as the best ruckman this year. It's because he's making such an impact up forward, whereas other ruckmen don't do that. So... I don't think that we necessarily need to frame the conversation around Luke Jackson, you know, taking over from Max Gorn. I just think they're such a great pairing and it's just allowed Max to play more freely. But Luke is just so adept at ground level as well. I think that must be that basketball background. But, God, the Demons have nailed that draft, Luke Jackson and Cozzy Pickett. I mean, they're two players that I'd be looking to lock away as well because they are excitement machines and highly skilled. 
Now, Sarah, you're a Swans ambassador, obviously, mm-hmm. and there's probably nothing about the Swans you don't know. So, <laughs> my question for you is: obviously, Melbourne's backline has taken a bit of a hit now that Adam Tomlinson is out for the season. They've decided to uh, bring Petty back into the side as a defender rather than shift Tom McDonald back. Um, just looking firstly at this week, um, how do you think we handle the Swans forward line with the players we have? Would you say that presumably Stephen May would go to Buddy if he's available? Um, but what are some of the other Swans forward targets? Because I have to admit, I haven't been watching the Swans especially closely. Oh, come on, Kieran. You're yeah. not watching the Swans? Come on. <laughs> um, well, firstly, the Adam Tomlinson injury is really significant. Like I think you guys would know that being Demons fans. I think some people from the outside who perhaps haven't watched too much Demons footy this year would be like, oh, he's an average player. Well, no, actually playing in defence this year, which is his preferred position, he's been awesome and he's allowed Stephen May and Jake Lever to both play phenomenally. So I think it will be a bit of an adjustment with Harrison Petty going down back. But I also like that they're not moving Tom McDonald back. Keep T-Mac up forward. Like him there a lot. But as for the Swans, yeah, so Buddy will be back this weekend. Woohoo! As will Dane Rathie, by the way. Um, so That's there's some young players. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's good, Dane. Um, there's some young players that have really been excelling up forward. I'm not sure if you know about little Errol Goulden. Yes. So he was one of our academy picks and I think he was selected at pick 31. Uh, he won the Rising Star nomination in round one and he is a beautiful kick going inside 50. I know Buddy loves being on the receiving end to him. So it would be interesting to see who goes to Errol. I'm not sure if Logan McDonald will be playing. He was our other early draft mm-hmm. pick. I think he was pick four. He's been kind of vacillating in and out of um, the VFL and the one. So he's another player that might bob up. But, I mean, Tom Papley. He was the match winner last week against Geelong in controversial circumstances, albeit. Um, But he's always one that you just know if he gets off the leash, he's going to cause you a few headaches. I mean, who is your best small defender these days, guys? It's a great question. I mean, Jed has been pushed out of the side. So I suppose. By Rivers, really. Yeah, but I'm not sure. Maybe Hibbard would probably play on the best small defender, but. I don't know if we've got a perfect setup for small for small forwards. No, we don't have a good, really good lockdown small defender. Right, anymore. maybe Stephen May, but Stephen May usually takes it tall. Right, and surely Stephen May goes to Buddy at this instance. Right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but there's there's just lots there's lots of young swans running through. Like I was watching uh, on Saturday with my boyfriend Ed, and he was like, "I do not know half the players in your team," and I was like, "Yeah, I know." Like. They're, they're really young. Like there was this guy called Hayden McLean who's only played a handful of games. He kicked four goals. Now I'm not sure if he keeps his spot with Buddy coming back in, although he probably does and Kel Sinclair goes out. Yeah. Um, so People he's come in and spot after four goals. goals. Yeah, exactly. I know, I know. How unfair would that be? Um, and then there's just some younger midfielders that are coming up that are Kicking goals as well. James Rowbottom's been fantastic. Ollie Florence gone to another level. So there's lots of young players, which is exciting, but it can also breed some inconsistency, like that game against the Gold Coast Suns where they just got smashed. So, yeah, it's hard to know with young sides, isn't it? Like 
sometimes they come out and they play just with this freedom, like they've got no fear whatsoever, which we saw against the Tigers. And then other times it's like they just haven't shown up. So hopefully they bring the um, the Tigers game back to the MCG to take on your Ds. Hopefully not, but that's okay. No. <laughs> So, Sarah, another question I'm interested in your thoughts on. So there's been a lot of discussion about our forward setup um, where we now have this surplus of tools, like which we never thought we would have at the start of the year. So it's quite funny because obviously the club went out, they got Ben Brown, they got Magic Door on the, on the assumption that Tom McDonald would not progress. And yet Tom McDonald has now progressed and now it just feels as if we've got this abundance of tools and nothing, and we don't know what to do with them all. So what do you make of the decision not to play Sam Wiedemann this week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Sam Wiedemann in 2018 looks like he was going to be the next big thing. Did he kick five goals in that in the semi-final? Was it against Hawthorne? He kicked three against Geelong, but he had like 24 disposals or something like that. Yeah, clearly, it was yeah, kind of like a big, a big breakout game, and he kind of thought, "Yeah, wow, Melbourne have found a player here." Um, I think he'll get his he'll get his opportunity this year. What I've really liked from Simon Goodwin is that. He's been really measured throughout this season so far and he said, you know, we're going to play with chess pieces almost. We're not going to bring, you know, four or five people in at once or even three at once. We're just going to, you know, bring in player by player, round by round and see what works. And I think that's a really clever idea. And at the end of the day, Ben Brown is a recruit on big money and they kind of have to bring him in and see, you know, does he work in this forward line? They can't just leave him in the VFL. I mean, that's just not a great look and it's it would reflect poorly on Simon Goodwin and his list management team if they weren't to play Ben Brown. But I think Sam Wiedemann will come in at some point and um, get a look. I would like to see him in the forward line. I feel like he's the future of your forward line. Um, and I know that his grandfather played for Collingwood, I think. Yeah. So now there's this commentary um, in Melbourne that people are saying, well, if I was Collingwood, I'd be, you know, throwing the checkbook at Sam Wiedemann. Um, I don't know if Collingwood have much of a checkbook to throw at anyone at the moment, seeing as the salary cap squeeze. But I think Nita, he will get his opportunity, hopefully sooner rather than later, though, because the thing is, once you guys get to round 18, and I mean, You'd have to really stuff up to not play finals now. I don't think that's an issue. But once you get to the latter half of the year, you kind of want to be locking in your 22. Mm. You don't want to be tinkering with the team then. So mm. you'd want to see them tinker with the Wiedemann, Brown. I mean, put them both in maybe for a game. Yeah. Put them both in, put them in for one and, and see what works because by the back end of the season, you want to be locking in that team to go into finals. Having said that, though, you do have to experiment at this time of year. Just because what if, you know, you're playing Ben Brown and then you get to a final and, you know, he goes down with an injury, mm. you know. And what we've seen with Richmond throughout the past three or four years is that Damien Hardwick, he will throw the magnets around early in the season just in case. So, for example, on the weekend, Liam Baker, who's, you know, become one of the best small defenders in the league, Dimmer threw him forward because, you know, what if they need a small forward halfway through a semi-final? Mm. So I think it's also a good time to experiment with players in different positions. Yeah. 
Another person I'm interested in your thoughts on, Sarah, is Tom Hickey. So one of the Ooh. one of the funniest sort of players, insofar as I never thought a four a, a guy who has been to four different clubs would be so high up in the coaches' votes. And now I'm genuinely really fascinated for this battle this weekend against Max because, especially when he was at St Kilda, he really troubled Max Gorn. Recruit of the year. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Recruit of the year. I remember when I saw that the Swans had picked up Hickey, I was like, really? Like, real? are we doing this? Like, I knew we needed another Ruckman and that's, like, been the Swans' Achilles heel in recent years because Sam Naismith's just had no luck with injury. Cal Sinclair's not really a first Ruck. He tries hard, but, you know, you really get beaten up around the ground when you don't have a dominant Ruckman. And Tom Hickey has come in and just really changed the way the Swans play. He's been incredible. And... You know, in the second half against Geelong, Reese Stanley was essentially benched because he couldn't go with Tom Hickey. So Geelong were almost down a rotation, which not great for Reese. Um, but yeah, I've I've loved watching Tom this year. He's been particularly um, powerful when he's gone forward. So that will be interesting as well because Max has been so good going forward. So maybe we'll see them both uh, get forward and kick goals. But it should be a great ruck battle. I think though you guys have more of a strength there just because you do have Luke Jackson. I don't think we've got a a natural secondary ruckman like that. So you might be able to tag team Tom Hickey and get the upper hand there. But I think I agree it'll be a fascinating battle. Mm. Sarah, last question from us. So Mm. put on your Simon Goodwin hat, which I assume is a hat you would never have any reason to wear. (laughs) I like the demonstration coming right now. This is great. (laughs) Especially against Sydney. Why would you do that? But if you're putting on the Simon Goodwin hat, knowing that the Swans have played pretty well at the G and maybe the ground kind of suits them, what do you do Mm. tactically to beat Sydney? Well, firstly, interesting that we're talking about the MCG suiting the Swans. Right. And, I mean, the flow on from that is that people are saying now that the SCG doesn't suit them, which the SCG has always been traditionally good for the Swans because they've played that really congested brand of footy that relies on contest after contest and on a small ground that works. Mm. But now with all these exciting kids and this um, almost uh, brand of flair, The MCG, some people are arguing, is better for the Swans because they're allowed to spread. If I was putting on my hat as Simon Goodwin, what would I do? Well, you know what? I reckon your system's stacked up pretty well. So I'm not sure I'd be departing from that at all. I'd go system versus system and really yours should come out on top. Um, I think the Stephen um, May-Lance Franklin battle will be really intriguing. I feel like they always have a pretty good matchup. I think maybe the last time... That matchup was, I don't even know when it last was, but I feel like they both maybe were best on ground. It was just one of those battles where they both played so well, but he kicked mm-hmm. four and May was great. So, um, no, I, I would just let your system stack up. It has all year and really get a look at this back line without Tomlinson and, and how that's going to work because, yeah, it's been working so well, hasn't it? It was so sad to see him, wasn't it, on the weekend? He was so, so shattered. Sad. I was honestly oh. tearing up a bit. Yeah, it was tragic. Um, it really was. I think that the matchup, well, not it's not really a matchup, but I suppose the battle that I'm intrigued by is Christian Petrarca versus Isaac Heaney in some ways. You know, it's interesting that they were both taken in the same in the same draft year. And Melbourne would have taken Isaac Heaney if they could have because obviously Ruzi was obsessed with Heaney because of the Swans Academy and obviously because he's a superstar. But 
it's funny, Heaney just feels like a player who hasn't really had the proper run of it just because of his body breaking down for patches during seasons. And that's the reason why we don't necessarily speak of him in the same way that we speak of track in some ways, I think. Um, but I'd be really, he he kills us. I mean, he, I just remember vividly the J, the game where Jesse Hogan, uh, where Jesse Hogan um, was literally a stepladder for Isaac Heaney. Yes. Oh, extraordinary. <laughs> extraordinary. Yeah. I'm that game as well because it was when um oh poor um who's the ma- the name's gone from my head the Swans player that did fifty ACLs oh Alex Johnson Alex Johnson, yeah. Alex Johnson thank you that's when he did I think his last ACL yeah, in an yeah. ACL game. I remember yeah. listening to it on the radio and I was like no um <laughs> but yeah you're right Isaac Henny just can't get a run with it with the injury and his latest injury I think came from punching someone in the chest so that was a bit dumb but um <laughs> I know he's a player I would just love to see get a full body of work under his belt because you're right he does possess those same attributes as Christian you know powerful explosive can go forward really great in the head in the air and overhead so that will be yeah a great battle to watch as well I'm actually I'm getting so excited now just talking yeah. about this <laughs> guys I want to put a question back to you as two of the most uh, loyal Demons fans, I mean, you've been there through lots of lows and potentially a few highs to come. When are you getting back to Australia? This is a great question. Kieran, <laughs> do you is, want to feel this, this is one? The, this is the question that's sweeping Australia right now. Yeah, exactly. When, when will we return to Australia? Uh, um, I don't know. I think we're going to review kind of at the buy round. Yeah. You know, just really see where the team's going. Because as a constantly cynical Melbourne supporter, I'm not going to be convinced until <laughs> uh, for a while. <laughs> Literally until, even if we finish on top of the ladder, even if. No, I think if we finish on top, we have to book our flights back. But then there's two weeks in quarantine and. We'll have the jab. So we will have the vaccine by then. Hmm. But I don't know if that will make it. I don't think Australia cares about the vaccine. (laughs) We care nothing for your vaccine. Yeah, we won't get into that. But um, so I don't know. But the idea of us missing a premiership kind of sickens me. Oh, it's just not going to happen. It's it's just not going to happen. But um, yeah. But thank you so much for joining us on the Deluded Podcast, Sarah Ali. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to speak to you too. And I think we should um, we should definitely speak again later in the year before final.